and welcome back to Gather the Scattered Podcast. My name is Casey Purvis, and I am your host. Y'all, have you ever had a friend that talked about another friend, and you're like, hey, I could be friends with that friend too? (laughs) So that's what happened to me. I had a good friend reach out and said, hey, I would like to introduce you to Britt Joy, and y'all, I'm so glad she did. She worked for Corporate America for 15 years, started a nonprofit, and was named Wilmington's 40 Under 40. So listen into our conversation about how she helps companies strategize corporate culture so that it creates a great working community environment. Hi, Brittany. Thank you so much for coming on to Gather the Scatter podcast today. I'm really excited to have you here. And I want you to tell everyone about your company and how you are affecting change. Hey there. It's I'm so happy to be here, number one. Um, I love this community that you've built. Um, I've been listening to your podcast for a little bit now, and I just think that you're offering just the sweetest place for people to land, um, to feel connected when sometimes life does not offer that to us organically. So thank you mm. for having me. Um, Absolutely. I am the founder and I call myself the chief humanity officer. And that means nothing except for it helps people understand what I do. Um, And the name of my company is Brit Joy & Co. Um, And what I do is I work with organizations to help execute a culture strategy. So the culture of a company is basically how we be, right? So it's Mm -hmm. what we believe, how we treat our customer, how we treat each other. It's the beliefs that ground us and hold us together. Um, And for a long time, businesses have named their culture. Um, You might see it in value statements on a website or on a wall or in Mm -hmm. any kind of marketing material they provide. But that's kind of where it stops. So there's not Mm -hmm. a lot of strategic follow through that comes with this. And so what we've seen um, in big businesses, corporate America, even small businesses and solopreneurs is that there becomes a disconnect when we're not intentional with what this looks like. And mm-hmm. so the undercurrent of mistrust and confusion that happens when what we say and do does not exactly mirror who we say we are, mm-hmm. we're working to eliminate that. So I come in with organizations and I just work to bring a better alignment, um, a better alignment of the language that they use, the processes that they use, so that we can actually have a global framework of what culture is. So if you go from one office to another office, it's going to feel like the same organization. Um, Mm -hmm. If you have one customer and another customer, they're going to have a similar experience of who you are as a business. Um, So that's it in a nutshell. I know that (laughs) it's probably (laughs) a bigger nutshell than what you were hoping for, but. um, No, I think you explained it perfectly because I think what you're doing is, is you're setting a foundation. I don't think this is being done. And I think that you are... (laughs) I think this is just the beginning for you. I don't think, I don't know how long, so how long have you been doing this? So I launched this in December of 2022. Um, I was doing the work just for friends who have small businesses or work with nonprofits here in my hometown Mm. for about a year, year and a half prior to that. Um, And honestly, I had no intention of actually starting this as a company. Uh, Oh, wow. Just a gap that I saw that existed within organizations. and. As I was doing this for friends, um, another organization reached out and said, hey, what are you doing? And I sort of explained it to them. And they were like, we we want that. Can we contract you? 
And I oh, thought, wow. oh, and it was a sizable organization. And I thought, well, dang, if they are seeing this, I bet you other people would see this too. And so I did create an LLC and I was just like, I'm going to start putting it out there and I'm going to see what happens. Um, and the first 12 months I was thinking, okay, what would be my plan for this first year? I think I'm just going to put this out there as the conversation. This is the gap that I see. This is the data that exists. And this is how we can solve for it. And I'm mm-hmm. just going to see if anybody, anybody responds. Does anybody agree? Does anybody disagree? I'm open to disagreement. Right. Um, and within the first month, I had a first client and a first speaking engagement. Wow. And like, oh, you guys, you do. You do. Okay, great. So you, oh, we're all doing this. We're doing this. <laughs> <laughs> and that probably speaks, I mean, I'm a middle child. So I will never not be surprised that somebody likes me or agrees with me or sees me, you know, <laughs> like it's right. like classic right. middle child syndrome. Uh, Listen, I'm with you. I see you. I am also a middle child. We have so much in common. I'm telling you. <laughs> yes. Um, but that's where it, it started. Um, and it's just, it's been really, really great. So. Well, I listened to your last podcast and to kind of bounce back what you said earlier is, you know, the value statement that some companies are putting on, um, you know, are including in their value statement as, and you mentioned the the statement that we are family, like some of the organizations I've worked for, I have felt that I have felt that family, that, that togetherness, that tight knitness, that, that just, you, you got my back. I got your back. And I have really, really felt that, but I love what you mentioned in there. Yeah. What I consider a family might not be what somebody else sitting next to me considers a family. That's right. And and so forth and so on because people have different backgrounds, you know, like you were saying. And I thought that was just I never thought of it that way. Mhm. Yeah, and I think a lot of people at least the loud people, right? So this sort of exists with any type of um subject that we're that you want to address, but for business mm-hmm. specific People will get loud about certain things that they are not happy with. So, you know, we're a family. How dare you? You can't call us a family. You would never fire family. Like, you would never quit on family or I don't want you to be my family. Right. Well, the fact is, I mean, if we're just going to go facts, you can quit your family. You, yeah. We see there are divorces. There are people who are estranged from parents. There are people who... Um, have had to step away for a various number of reasons. Like you can very much quit your family. So like that argument doesn't hold. Now it's emotional and I understand why people say that, but like it doesn't hold. So the problem isn't that we're saying that you're family. The problem is, is that we're not fully explaining what that means because we all have different stories around what a family is. We all have different definitions that we have either ingrained in ourselves based on our own experience or our own ideals, um, whether it's hopes or disappointments or, you know, somewhere in between. So I am inherently not upset when a company says we're family. I just think it's an incomplete sentence. I'm like, okay, great. Elaborate. What What does that mean to you? So what should I be expecting as a member of this family? 
Right. And it's almost like that's like a it's a blanket blank. Sorry. It's a blanket statement. Mm -hmm. And so it's yeah, I could I could definitely see that. And I could see why that would need to be a little fine tuned. Sure. So 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 whenever you come into when someone reaches out to you Mm -hmm. and they're like, hey, listen, my company's kind of facing this cultural problem. Wouldn't you call it that like a cultural problem, maybe Mm -hmm. something like that? Like, what is kind of your process? Is it, do you say, hey, like, I do like a five week and I'll send five weeks with you? Or you just say, hey, from beginning to end, however long that lasts. Like, how does that work? Yeah. I mean, in a perfect world, and and of course, everything depends on the organization, the size of it, how the Mm -hmm. industry that they operate in works, you know, so on and so forth. When I think about this work at scale, this should be an ongoing fixture within your organization. So if we're going to make this work at any type of consistency in a sustainable way, it has to be a fixture of the organizational structure. So if you have a marketing need, you normally have a marketing department and that department is there ongoing, finance, risk management, so on and so forth. So for culture, for companies of a certain scale, it is my distinctive perspective that they should have a culture unit and that culture unit should work cross-functionally from mm. now until eternity with the organization <laughs> to make sure right. that it's operating in a way that is consistent, that is well-nurtured, that is actually well-executed and keeps a pulse on the changes of people and society and industry and so on. When I'm working with folks with smaller businesses or with small nonprofits, the first thing I say is, okay, great, let's talk. Tell me what's going on. What do you see? What changes have happened? How is this not aligned with what your ideal operating structure is? How is this not working for you? Is this not working for your employees or is it a tension that you feel yourself? So it's really just a lot of talking of tell me what you think. Um, Because sometimes it can be a small fix, right? Mm -hmm. It's small adjustments that we need to make to language that's used with board members or it's used with donors or used with customers. And so those can be very minor fixes, right? So you go in, it might take 30, 60, 90 days to get it going, mm-hmm. get feedback on it, see how the consistency is there a turnaround. Other things might be a little more nuanced with interpersonal dynamics. And that can't always be defined on the front end as this is a five-week fix and after this, you are done. Right. Um, so with most things, with this. Unfortunately, there is no blueprint um, that says this is how it works and go. Um, Mm -hmm. A lot of it is just holding it with open hands. I mean, you and I talked about this before is that so much of this work is holding beliefs with open hands of, you know, I think we can do this in 90 days, but let's start with 90 days and do an option to renew. Because if we have not addressed the root cause, we should not move on. Or if this is not a good fit for you, we should not continue. So to be able to leave um, just sort of the curiosity of, Mm -hmm. is this working? Is the work done? Is it in a place where we can pass this on to somebody else? Is there something that we can be doing better that maybe we didn't implement already? Um, I think that posture of curiosity is what I have found to be um, so unique with this process and what my clients, I think, have found to be so refreshing that it's not, you know, here you go, five, five steps and we're done. Because 
Right. Most of us don't fit into those kind of boxes anyhow. No. And everybody's trying to get to the same part. Like you're tr- or same ending point. Like you're trying to get them to move to the point where they're now successful because when they're successful, you're successful. Exactly. And so, and I want to talk to you too about what you, what you were saying too, is about the culture unit. Mm-hmm. That is absolute genius <laughs> to me. I mean, seriously, I don't know why that has not been implemented before. Yeah. I think, and so, like, how I'm trying to think about that um, in an organization. Like, do you pitch that or do you or, or does or have some of the companies that you've worked with in the past, have they like set up a culture unit where that's like a paid position or is that just kind of included in their HR realm? Like, how does that look like? Yeah, most companies don't have anything culture specific. So mm-hmm. culture, whenever you talk about it as a function of the organization, just does not exist. So they would say um, that HR is also over culture and they would use that normally in reference to performance reviews. Um, uh. And it's not surprising. I mean, if you look at the responsibilities of an HR team, it's overwhelming. They have so much that they have to do that on top of everything, they now have this huge beast of culture that's been Mm -hmm. assigned to them. And the reality is, is that when you have an already too full plate and something pressing like disability or um, maternity leave or um, actual like legal implications that come from working within the HR department come up, culture is going to push itself off the plate. And it should, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Now, when that happens for an extended period of time, like what we're seeing right now, nobody's doing it. And almost every CEO that's asked, you know, who's in charge of culture? The response is normally, well, we all are. And it's like, whoa, like, that's a great soundbite. I mean, it honestly is like, and I yeah. get what you're trying to say, but the reality is, is if everybody is in charge, nobody is in charge. Absolutely. And you have to have a team, a person, you have to have a point that is responsible for both bearing the weight of the responsibility and also who can be in pursuit of what the goal is. Because mm-hmm. like we said before, you know, people change, society changes, industry changes. I mean, 2020 was a great example of that. And if you don't have anyone who's in pursuit of what it looks like to stay aligned to a mission, to a vision, to the values that have been set, like it's just going to pass by. Um, So it just made sense to me whenever, you know, I was looking at this. I was like, this is crazy pants. (laughs) (laughs) Like every piece of data is pointing back to culture and connection as the reason Mm -hmm. for low engagement, for low productivity, for mistrust, for confusion in the workplace, for high turnover, for all of these things. And the root just kept coming back to this. And I was like, this seems like the very simplest solution in any other scenario of the business. We have allocated a specific team to carry out a specific role. Why are we acting like this is not it? Um, And so- When I oh, yeah. talk to people, you know, so very, I mean, when I'm, I'm on LinkedIn or if I'm on a podcast like this or, you know, speaking with somebody who's writing an article, I'm very clear about what my perspective is um, 
for culture at a large organization. Now, for a small organization, it just doesn't make sense in the same way that you can't always have an HR team for a small business. You might have somebody who is legal and HR or compliance and HR or finance and HR. You know, a lot of these roles are combined with smaller organizations. Um, So it just does not structurally make sense. But for large organizations, for like classic corporate America, absolutely. And I think we're starting to see that. Mostly with international companies, they're picking us up. Um, the data is just too overwhelming to ignore it. Mm-hmm. And I think it's going to hit um, companies at large in a way that's slow and steady. And then it just feels all at once. And we'll get to a point where we look around and we're like, how did we do this before? There's- right. <laughs> it's like, we weren't doing it before. That's the whole point. <laughs> so, So can you tell me kind of like what is some of the best cultural practices to implement into your organization. If Does that question make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I think the biggest thing that we have to do in regards to culture is we have to clearly define it. We have mm-hmm. to be able to say who we are, you know, how we be mm-hmm. <laughs> in a way <laughs> that my kindergartner can understand it. And they can yeah. be able to recite it. I don't need 16 principles. You don't need 16 principles to live by. It needs mm-hmm. to fit on one hand and a kindergartner needs to be able to repeat it back to you. Because right. beyond that, it's going to get lost and it's going to lose its meaning and it's not going to be purposeful. So the clear right. language is number one. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think once you do that, then you can start to build on the other things that are more human focused. Um, but absolutely relevant. I mean, human connection is an absolute pillar in this work. And that doesn't Mm -hmm. mean face to face. That doesn't mean that we all have to be back in the office, but it means that we need to be intentional with how we communicate with each other, why we communicate with each other, you know, our, (laughs) our tone, our language, you know, all the things, our intentionality. Um, and these are things that, have implications far beyond the business. Um, You know, we are officially in a state of isolation and loneliness. Um, And Mm. that's not just within the corporate world. Like that is a nation. And what it does to us from our health, from our mental wellness, from, you know, our overall life expectancy. Um, You know, we we gave this rugged individualism a a good, good hard try, right? The good college try. (laughs) And it has not ended well. Um, So just really being cognizant of the connection um, with one another and how that ripples out into the interactions that we have with our customers, with onlookers of our business, with the community that surrounds us. Um, These things really matter. And they matter in a way that is quantifiable with the business and Mm -hmm. that matter to us as individuals and as a society. So Clear language, human connection is the absolute best place for all of us to start when it comes to any kind of best cultural practice. You know, it's so funny that you're mentioning connection because I literally was putting, I was literally thinking about this this week. And, and so, and what I, and I even, I think even put it on social media and I, I, what I said was when there's a loss of connection, there's a feeling of rejection. Mm -hmm. And, and it's so true because when you have the gap 
between like whether it's your customers or just employee to employee or employee to manager or whatever that may look like, there's going to be some retraction. Someone's going to start reclusing back. Mm -hmm. And And, um, what you'll see is that people start to fill with the the gap of that connection with their own narrative. Mm. And that is quite a risk to take. So right. you would never want somebody's, you know, negative experience with a guy at the gas station to influence filling the narrative of the relationship that you and I have because we've missed that connection with one another. And it's not, you know, there's too many questions that are outlying of, well, is she mad at me? Is did I do something wrong? Did you know what what happened here? And when we don't connect with each other, when we're not consistent with one another, when we don't communicate and honestly with, you know, in businesses, it's not just I told you once, you should know. It's like again, we're talking about a kindergartner, right? <laughs> so I <laughs> I need to communicate and over communicate and say uh-huh. it again and try it a different way and maybe throw it at you like this. Because I need you to know whatever the truth of the message is. And if we don't do that, it just leaves a gap for us to be able to fill that narrative. And I mean, that's not that's not a personality defect for people to do that. That is survival. That's how our brain is wired. Our brain's wired to close the loop. Um, And far be it to us to let people do it on their own. Like that's that's a slippery slope, friends. Right. Yes. <laughs> I would agree with that. Um, well, I have really enjoyed learning more about your business and the culture that you are trying to get these companies to build because it's really in the best benefit for them and their future. Yes. Honestly. And I think that's I, I think what you're doing is just amazing. And I do and we're gonna end the the podcast, but I'll always end it on a would you rather question. I like it. (laughs) (laughs) This one is probably one of my favorites, but it is, would you rather have a mullet or a perm? Oh, a perm all day. (laughs) Girl, I have had a perm. (laughs) I'm going to pull out some of our old photo albums and I'm going to send you a picture of Brittany with a perm because look, (laughs) my grandmother was a beautician. Uh, Oh, um that's what you know that's what that generation called it right um right and so I had those chemicals on my head so I mean look there's no telling what the long-term implications of those were but uh, no no um, (laughs) yes ma'am give me that perm I'll take it now (laughs) (laughs) all right you know what I can never forget because my either I had a perm I can't remember if I did or not but I know my mom did oh yeah but the one thing I can remember about that is the smell oh the one. <laughs> you see, they would have to put Vaseline around your hairline because it would burn your skin. That is it. I don't know how yeah. our hair did not fall out. I know. I'm like Vaseline <laughs> and a cotton ball roll, like the string cotton ball. And I'm like, I was probably five years old. In what world did y'all think it was good to put that on my like permeable head? I know. Like, who is in charge here? Johnson could not handle that. No, no, definitely not. I mean, I would probably do the mullet if it was a wig. Mm. I mean, I just don't think I could fully commit to that. I would have to do a try before I buy. (laughs) 
you know, um, <laughs> we could probably get you one that's reminiscent of the late, great Tina Turner. Mm. Um, take you out, do a karaoke night, let you try it out, see how it feels. <laughs> You know, I might hit you up on that. I'll drive to you. I will come do it there. So that good. would be so funny. Well, Brittany, I really, really enjoyed this conversation. It was, I was, I'm so excited. I got to learn about you and what you do. And I wish you extreme success in the future. And um, I'm sure I'll have you back on at some point. I would love that. Thank you so much. This is great. Have a good one. You too. Bye. Bye. Y'all, I absolutely loved talking with Britt about her mission, and I just think she's doing some really groundbreaking things. So um, next week, we are going to be talking about the power of in-person meetups. Y'all, you're going to love this guest. I love her, and I know you will, too. She's really a kind, just kind-hearted person. And, you know, I just really want to take this time, too, to just really thank you. Thank you so much for coming in every week, whether that's every Monday or maybe you catch up and just binge them, you know, like three to four at a time, whatever it is like. Thank you so much. It really means a lot to me. And if you haven't had a chance, please um, take a time to leave me a review on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen in to podcasts. I'd really appreciate that. That helps me for sure. And um, again, thank you so much for being here. I'll see y'all next week. My name is Casey Purvis, and we are The Scattered. Thank you so much for being here today. Help me gather The Scattered, and let's meet back here on Monday. Bye for now. <laughs>